Hey, welcome, and uh, I believe this is the time that I am supposed to uh, have the students unveil the f- fathead of the day, uh, or of the week, and so, ta-da, Woo! that's me, <laughs> look at there, <laughs> that's, that's, isn't that great, yeah, that's an actual picture of me from high school. Um, well, hey, uh, it, is, uh, it is great to be with all of you, and you have made it through Thanksgiving weekend practically here almost, and uh, that means that the floodgates are open for Christmas uh, full on here, and uh, many of you have experienced your trees coming out of the attic or out of the basement and emerging into your uh, into your uh, living rooms. How many of you have your trees up? Doesn't mean anything. I'm just wondering. Okay, curious. Okay, okay. About half and half. So the other. So there's always late Christmasers and early Christmasers. So it's interesting that we're evenly divided. But um, anyway, it's always fascinating to me. I never know that um, that that artificial trees shed pine needles just like the the real ones but it's amazing i mean every year we shed more and more i mean thousands of pine needles and so i'm expecting one year ours is just going to look like a charlie brown tree when it comes out but uh we haven't got there yet so anyway hey i um, i am on the struggle bus this morning just to be completely transparent with you i went uh started backing my car out of the garage this morning and realized i hadn't put the door up so um I stopped. I hit the brakes before I hit it, so it's okay. Thank, thank the Lord for backup cameras. But anyway, uh, I'm on. I've got a lot of cold medicine in my system, so uh, yeah, that's that's I'm dragging. <laughs> so hey, let's pray, and then we'll we'll get going this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to be uh, be be with these folks who've come together to worship and to uh, to know you better, uh, to know who you are, to experience you in your Word, and to. Um, to be able to engage with you. So, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you would open your word to us, that you'd give us uh, clarity and understanding, but most of all, that we would leave with our lives changed, that we would leave with our lives transformed by your spirit as he uses your word. Thank you so much for this opportunity again. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I have realize something that, that about truth, and that's what we're going to be talking about uh, in large measure this morning. I've learned something about truth, and that is this, that truth can be really hard to find. In fact, it is, if I could say it this way, it is a battle to discover the truth sometimes. And you may think, well, no, I can, I can sniff out the truth as, as soon as it shows up. You know, that's not a big problem for me. Well, let me, let me suggest to you that it really is a battle to discover the truth, to find the truth in a lot of situations in life. It is not a simple thing. It's not an evident thing. It's not an obvious thing. Um, let me give you this first example. And the first example I think of is when it comes to children. I don't know how many of you have worked closely with children. Maybe some of you have had children's parents in the room, or you have, have worked in our children's ministry maybe, or maybe you're a teacher. You've been involved with kids in different respects. And what I have discovered is that sometimes, surprisingly, that kids will get uh, in conflict with each other, right? There will be, there will be uh, problems between one and the other, and then what happens is the blame game, right? Something gets broke, or some, somebody gets hurt, or something goes down, and then 
they turn to the adult in the room and, and it's he said and she said and he did it and she did it. And, and, and then at that point, nobody, I mean, unless you have that rare ability of discernment in children, I don't. And so I would just yell at all of them. I don't know who it is, right? And, and that's, that was my technique, my, my way of planning. But you could, you could have a Supreme Court justice in there and they would be at a loss to decide who's right and who's wrong. It's hard to know the truth of the situation because you're just going on what you've been told. Um, historians have this problem, right? They have a problem figuring out truth. It's a battle to figure out historical truth. And of course, there's some things that we know pretty clearly, but there's other things that there, there's just, we, we don't have a lot of uncertainty about. Or we, have, we have a lot of uncertainty about. There's not much confidence in how things really happen. Like, for an example, Stonehenge, right? That's that big, round bunch of stones there in Britain, right? In the middle of the field. We don't know. Historians, experts don't know what that's all about. They don't know if it's a solar calendar. They don't know if it was something for, like, Druid worship. They don't know if it was some kind of cemetery that was put there years and years ago. There's just not a lot of clarity. And there's things that have happened much more recently than Stonehenge. And historians just are in a battle for the truth, trying to figure out what is really going on here and what's that all uh, about. Um, uh, another another uh, realm that, that I think of when it, when it comes to trying to, to figure out the truth is just the issue and, and the battle for the truth is something that journalists face, people in the news media face all the time. Because there is not just the fact, that they, there are the challenge of reporting the facts that happened, right? It's not just up for the news to have to report the facts that happened, because that's easy enough sometimes. But then there's this issue of which pieces of reality do we report? I mean, that's always a decision that journalists have to make. And if you took the worst parts of my life from this past week, if you looked at every horrible thought I had, every mean word I said, and all the bad stuff I did, you would look at, you probably wouldn't want to talk to me. If we made a documentary out of that, you'd be like, oh man, Todd Oldham, he's the worst guy you ever want to meet. And, oh man, stay away from him. And you probably wouldn't be wrong. But I'm just saying, there's, there's, you, you look at, if you selectively look at bad stuff, you're going you're gonna to see just a, a, a very negative picture of something or an event of a person, whatever it is. And same thing with positive. If you just looked at all the good stuff maybe about a person, then you would think they're the most wonderful person. This is a reincarnation of Mother Teresa. And maybe not. You know, because you're, you're just, even though it's true, it's not the whole truth. So there's a, there's a challenge there. There's a challenge nowadays. You hear people talk about my truth and your truth. And, 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 and this, this is my truth for myself. That is tricky right there. Because what happens when your truth conflicts with my truth? And, and does, how does that work if, if it conflicts with truth in general? How do we, how do we even put that together? Um, truth is, is tricky. And then there's, you've got people out there always, this is fun, you've got people out there that like to distort the truth, right? And, and sometimes some of those people like to sell things, right? And so, you know, they want to sell you something and, and, and they say something about it and maybe or maybe not it's true or maybe it's a little twisted and it's not quite accurate. Um, you've run into that. 
And there's people that distort the truth. It's just hard. It is a real, I'm not exaggerating to say that it is a battle to find the truth. It is a battle to find the truth. But having said that, the greatest battle, uh, the, the place where this takes place more than any other, where the realm in which the battle for the truth happens, and it's, it's the most important, but it's the most fundamental place it happens, is inside of you and inside of me. Because we are the ones that have to decide what is true. Because you and I will hear all kinds of things from all kinds of people, from, from all kinds of media sources, from all kinds of places, from other people, and even that little voice that speaks inside our head. And when we hear that, and when we encounter all those things, you do have a voice that speaks inside your head, don't you? I'm not the only one. Um, yeah, you, you do. We, we, have, we hear these things. And we have to decide, am I going to believe that? Or am I not going to believe that? Is that true? Is that the truth? That is the battle that we are constantly facing. To figure out what is really true. What what can I trust? And the battleground is our heart. The battleground is our minds. And we have to be able to determine, well, what, what really is true? What is the truth about this? Uh, that's really important. Because it's kind of like when a ship gets off course. Did you know if a ship gets off course just a little bit, just a couple degrees, that seems like no big deal. But you know what happens when that ship travels for miles and miles and miles, or an airplane for that matter. After so many miles, it is way, way off course, right? It is way off its intended destination. And so if we get the truth just a little bit twisted in our minds, the result can be disastrous, and it's really, really important that we figure out what the truth is. And there was a Jewish scholar that wrote years and years ago about this very issue. Now, he couched it in different terms, but really what he was talking about was the issue of truth. And, and the issue of the battle for the truth that happens inside every single one of us. And the importance of coming down on the side of truth when we're evaluating what's going on inside of us. Uh, His name was the Apostle Paul, and he wrote from prison of all places. He was in jail. Thank, Thank God that he was in jail because being in jail gave him time to pen the words that we're going to be looking at this morning, that we have been looking at for the past number of weeks. Because he's sitting in this prison and he looked probably at some Roman guards that were on his right and his left. He made a connection between what they wore and what they had and the truth that we have to fight for in our lives. And so Ephesus was an amazing place. It was a remarkable place. Ephesus was a, a place with a huge library. It was a gigantic library, one of the largest in the ancient world. Beautiful temples. Um, it, was, it was a very impressive city, a big theater. All this stuff was going on in Ephesus. And there was, there was politicians there. And there were, there were these powerful people that had, had all these things that they used to say. And, and orators and, and people that were very impressive. 
But Paul, the Apostle Paul, saw another dimension behind what was going on there, obviously, in Ephesus. And it was there that he saw a battle for truth happening behind the scenes. And we've been looking at this passage, but let's go back to it again today and look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Just, just recapping what we've been looking at. Finally, Paul writes, as he writes from this prison, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Now, he says there's a battle for truth. In this battle for truth, foundationally, he says you've you got to be strong in the Lord and you've got you to rely on his strength, on his might. Um, that is absolutely in- essential, he says, if we're going to engage in this battle, if we're going to figure out what the truth is uh, and, and fight our way to the truth, we've got to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. But then he says this. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, I, I, I highlighted the word schemes because it's really important here. Because what this does, now first of all, let me just throw this out, and I realize for, for, for many of us who come to a place like this every Sunday, the devil is, is, is just something, somebody we take for granted. But if, if this is your first time with us, maybe, or you haven't been in this kind of context for a while, this is kind of crazy, uh, I mean, to be very quite honest. Because the devil is somebody that we think of, you know, in cartoons, dressed in a red suit with a pointy tail and a, and a, and a pitchfork. Uh, it's kind of crazy to think that, that there's a real devil that's really out to get us and really out to, to cause mischief and, and not only mischief, but cause devastation in our lives. But Paul takes this personage very seriously, and he says, put on the whole armor of God because you need to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So what I want to talk about is what is the devil's primary technique, okay? Now, he does a lot of different things in the world. He, he has a lot of different ways that he influences and, and things that he tries to accomplish. But usually, he... And, and fundamentally, he uses schemes. And that's, that's the word, uh, that, that's, a, that's a word that really suggests the, exactly what we're talking about. It suggests the battle for the truth. Because what this word is concerned with is when you have somebody that comes up with a scheme, in fact, we have words, we have words that we put with that. We call them like Ponzi schemes. Or we have, we, we call, have different names for these schemes. It's, it's where people come together and they try to deceive people. They try to cheat people. They try to snake around and confuse people about the truth. And that is precisely what the devil is about in our world. His, his primary mode of operation is to try to foist his schemes upon us. And he does that in numerous ways, but he does that in the battleground of our minds and in the battleground of our hearts. Do you, you know, this is, I say it's this fundamental. Do you know Jesus could have described the devil in any way, right? He, he is God. He understood exactly who the devil was. He was there when the devil rebelled against God in, in, before the creation of the world. What did Jesus, do you know how Jesus referred to the devil? He's referred to him as the father of, does anybody know? Lies. He referred to the devil as the father of lies. 
Because, and he said when the devil speaks, he, when he lies, he's speaking his native language. Because that is the character, that is the, the method that the devil employs. It is his scheme to produce deception, to, to lie to us in numerous ways and through numerous uh, approaches. And Paul sees this as a spiritual battle. He sees this as the devil in an onslaught against people in general, but specifically and most pointedly against people who know God personally through Jesus. And the devil is trying to deceive us all the time, every day, day in, day out. And he does that in our minds and he does that in our hearts. That is where the battle happens. And so Paul says... Put the whole armor on because you need to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil and the deception that he is going to put out there and he's going to try to trick you. Now, we see this, and and we've mentioned this in the series, but we see this spelled out in living color right from the beginning. You can can read the Bible for five minutes, starting in Genesis. The first couple pages, you will get to Genesis 3 and in there you hear how the devil impacts Adam and Eve with scheme, with a scheme. Now, he doesn't just show up and say, you know, I'm really who you should be listening to. The devil, you can't, or the, the, the God, you, you can't trust that guy. Uh, you need to believe in me. I'm, I'm, I'm the one that knows best, best for you. The devil is never that blunt. He is always so much more subtle than that. He's a schemer. And so what the devil does is he comes along and he, he, he couches it as a question. He says, did, did, hey guys, did, did God really say, did he really say uh, you, you can't eat from any tree in the whole garden? And, and what he did was he basically kind of just snaked in through a question, literally snaked in, and asked them, Adam and Eve, uh, do, you guys, uh, do you guys really think that that God is trying to keep everything good from you? I mean, it sounds like kind of what's happening. And it's exactly the same technique he uses with us. He is always trying to get us to question, to doubt, to buy into the lies that aren't overt, blatant lies, but that are just a little bit twisted, just a little bit off course that will take us to a terrible destination. And so, he says, put on the whole armor of God. And then he says, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So, Paul says, it's not just Satan. It's not just Satan that we're contending with, but he has these minions. He has these servants, these principles. He calls them rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. These people who are in the present, or these ones who are in the present darkness, who are trying to influence us in the wrong ways, who are trying to deceive in multiple ways in our lives that are promulgating and perpetrating lies against us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. He says, you may see these, these Roman soldiers, you may see these politicians, you may see these orators, you may see these, these, the emperor in Rome and the Senate and all these powerful figures. But listen, that is not the real story. Paul says there is deception being pushed out there by these rulers, by these authorities by the cosmic powers, and it's an unseen battle for the truth. 
for the truth. Because, again, the devil's stock and trade is lies. Now, Paul gives us the remedy. Paul gives us the answer. And that's what we've been looking at in this series, right? Uh, Ultimately, it's a battle for the truth. It's a battle that happens in our hearts. It's a battle that happens in our minds. And and that is where we live. That is the in in and out of our daily existence. Whether or not we see it that way, there is an unseen battle happening on the battlegrounds of our hearts. And so, Paul gives a prescription. And he gives advice based on that. And he says, therefore... Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, obviously, we're not protecting against physical, uh, physical attacks from the devil. We're protecting ourselves against the spiritual attacks he attacks in our mind and our hearts when he brings his deception to the table. And so Paul says, put the whole armor of God on so that you can withstand and you can stand firm. Stand firm there, or stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. And these are the things we've looked at. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace. So, so you have these things, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the, the helmet of salvation, the shoes on your feet, the belt of truth. Have these things to protect you from the devil's lies, ultimately from his lies, from his deception, from his deceit that he is instilling and trying to instill in our lives. He says, this is, this is what we have to wear. And then he says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and and take the helmet of salvation. He says, in all circumstances. So this is not, you know, a Tuesday and Thursday type of thing. This is not an occasional thing. This is not something that we just do when we think about it. Paul is giving the advice he is counsel is giving to the Ephesian believers. He's saying, you need to put this armor on every day, in every circumstance, whether it's a good circumstance or a bad circumstance, whether times are easy, whether times are hard, whether you're aware of the battle in your mind or whether you're not aware of it, you need to always suit up, to use the, the, the name of our series, in all circumstances, take up these things. In all these circumstances, take up these, well, this is beautiful, um, all, in all your circumstances, take up this, 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 these, these, these armor, this, take up this armor and these pieces of armor. But then he says this. And uh, before we get there, what, what are all these pieces of armor we've looked at have in common? Okay, two, two, I mean, you're like, say, oh, I don't know, what are you thinking, Todd? Okay, well, let me give you a clue what I'm thinking. I'll give you an option. It's a, it's a two-question, two uh, or it's a two-question multiple choice, two-option two multiple choice. Offense or defensive weapons that he's given us? Defensive, right? Or defensive armor. These are defensive things, right? Everything he's given us has been defensive. Well, now he's saying that the best defense is a good offense because he's going to give us a weapon. He's going to say, this is a battle for truth. We want to protect ourselves. We want to put these different pieces of armor on to protect ourselves from the devil and his deception, his lies, and the battleground of our hearts. But it's not enough. He says there is, in all circumstances, we need to take up not just the shield of faith, not just the, the, the helmet of salvation, not just the, the, the breastplate of righteousness, not 
just the shoes of the readiness, not just the belt of truth, but take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So Paul is giving us with this a offensive weapon that he says is the means by which we can actually defeat Satan. The other things protect us from the devil, from his influence, from the, uh, the, 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 the attempts he makes at deceiving us and twisting our minds and pulling us off course. But this one is the one, the, the one weapon he gives us, the weapon that he equips us with so that we can fight against the devil directly. He calls it the sword of the Spirit, by the way, because the Spirit is the author of the Word of God. The Spirit is the one who inspired people to write, who breathed out the words of Scripture. And so he calls it the sword of the Spirit, which, and it's the Word that that, that the word of God that the Spirit continues to use in our lives, the word of God, the, the word of God is the sword of the Spirit, but it is the, the word of God that we use to defeat the devil's lies in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. Now, let me give you a great example of where this took place. If you remember Jesus when he was baptized, he was baptized in the Jordan River, and after he was baptized, he uh, came out of the river and he was immediately taken or sent into the desert, into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days there. And at the end of the 40 days, guess who showed up? The devil, right? The devil showed up and confronted Jesus in there in the the middle of the wilderness. Now, when he confronted Jesus, interestingly enough, this is very interesting, do you know what the devil used in his temptation of Jesus? Scripture. He used the Bible to tempt Jesus. Now that doesn't make a lick of sense, does it? Well, he used Scripture, but it would be more appropriate to say he misused Scripture. He used Scripture, but he put a little bit of a twist on it. Again, it's a battle to hear and understand and know the truth. And Jesus was in the thick of that battle. He was having to determine how Should I address what this evil one is saying? And Jesus had to see through the deception. He was familiar enough with the word of God that he was able to counter what the devil was saying to him there. And it's so important, I might say, it's so, so important for us that we become familiar with the word of God. If we are going to, to counter the devil's lies. If we are going to effectively battle against what he is doing in our lives, the lies that he's perpetrating, the lies he's putting in our hearts, the lies that he's using all kinds of different things to get to us. He uses people, he uses the media, he uses music, he uses all kinds of things to get his lies in our head. How are we going to battle that? We have to know the Word of God. Let me, let me boil this down into a, into a, a single phrase here. I, and simply, simply say this. Fight the enemy's lies with God's truth. If the enemy's stock and trade, if his method, if his scheme is to lie to us, the only way we can battle that is with the truth of God. With his Word, the sword of the Spirit, his Word of God. Now, I don't want to leave it there. 
Okay? Because this sounds good. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with this. This makes sense. But let me tell you how this plays out in your life, in my life, tomorrow morning. You and I are going to go into the world, and the devil is going to whisper things in our ear. He might use people. He might use media. He might use just our thoughts that are a little bit twisted. And what we're going to hear is a lot of times in the form of a question. And the question might be, you know, do you think, uh, you think God really cares about you? I mean, do you really think, I mean, there's 8 billion people on this world. You're going through some hard times, right? I mean, I don't know your lives, but the, you're going through, every one of us go through trouble. And the devil looks at that and he, he says to us, um, hey, you know, you think God really cares about you? Does he really even care what you're going through? Well, God gives us the sword of the Spirit in 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, cast all your care on him because he cares for you. And when the devil comes at us and says, God doesn't care about you, that's our opportunity to take up the sword of the Spirit and say, no, he said, God says, he, he cares for me. Cast all my care on him because he cares for me. Oh, what, about, what about you hear, you hear the devil whisper through many means and through, through different ways that, you know, he, there's nobody in control of this thing. I mean, you see the stuff, trouble in the Middle East. You see the stuff going on in the economy. You say, see all this stuff going off the rails. And you see all your relationships in your life and problems in this, this world that we face. You know, do you really mean to believe that, do you, do you really think that God is in control of all this stuff? That he is, he is still on his throne? Because it sure seems like there's nobody really in charge. And Jesus comes along in his word and he says in Matthew 10, 29 that not a sparrow falls to the ground apart from your father. That he's in charge, that he's in control, that he's still on the throne and if there's no emergencies in heaven. And if we don't have that at the ready, then we're tempted to move in. And wait, what about our failures? I was just thinking, I mean, I, I, if you're like me, sometimes I gravitate toward my failures and I think about all the things I've messed up in life. And we can get set on that, and we get stuck on stuck. We get stuck on that, and we begin to think, "Oh, God can't use me. I, I don't have any future. I mean, there, there's no there's there's no hope for me uh, going forward." And God says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come." In Second Corinthians five seventeen, and He tells us that, and we refresh and rehearse and remind ourselves of that, and the devil's lie is cut to shreds. We begin to think that the difficulties in our lives don't matter for anything. And the devil says, do you really expect, do you really think that, that you should believe that God is working something, a plan, a, a purpose in your life right now with all this stuff you're going through? It just seems like bad stuff. And Romans 8.28 comes along. And the sword of the Spirit cuts the lie of the devil up by saying, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There's so many, so many lies the devil has, and he's got some that are tailor-made for you. There's some that you fall for again and again. There's some that I fall for again and again. And how important then it is that we are familiar with the sword of the Spirit. 
I've never used a sword. I mean, like, I've never been in a sword fight, okay? But I'm guessing that's not something you just pick up and know how to do it. I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's a lot of a learning curve that goes along with being in a sword fight. We have to familiarize ourselves with how to use the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. And that comes with the cost of time. That comes with the personal investment of, of, of time spent in studying God's Word personally for ourselves. And apart from that, we'll never know how to use the Word of God. We'll never know how to combat on the battleground of our minds and hearts the lies of the enemy. Imagine with me, I know it's a little bit of a stretch, um, but uh, imagine you had a very, very wealthy aunt, okay? And, uh, and, and this aunt was, I mean, not just a little bit wealthy, she was like a billionaire, okay? And, and this aunt uh, said, I have got, uh, well, actually she died, and so what she did is she had, she had left her will to the lawyer, not to the lawyer, but you gave the will. You know what I mean. Okay, anyway, the lawyer's reading the will. And in the, in the will, it says that you are supposed to get a piece of paper from the lawyer. That's all you got in the will. But you open this piece of paper, and in there, it says, and it has the location, that there is a treasure that your aunt has left for you in South America. And I mean, this is an incalculable treasure. I mean, this is extremely, extremely uh, valuable treasure. Now, if you're like me, you get that from the lawyer, you say, thank you very much, you fold it up, and you put it uh, under, the, uh, un- under the paperweight, and you say, yeah, I'll deal with that sometime. I've got to wash the car. Got things to do. Maybe, maybe when I retire. If you knew that was credible, I'm telling you, you're going to figure out how to find that. Is that going to be easy? That's not going to be easy. I mean, you're going to have to book a flight. If you don't have a passport, you're going to have to get one. You're probably going to have to hire some experts. You're going to have to have some people help you get to wherever this is in South America. But you know what? It's totally worth it. Because there is a treasure that is valuable enough to make whatever effort you put into it worth every bit of it. And it's the same way with the sword of the Spirit that's the Word of God. That is a treasure that we cannot calculate the value of. And the treasure is that weapon that God has given us to defeat Satan's lies in our life. And what a tragedy it would be to have a sword and never learn how to use it. My encouragement to you, find those lies that the devil tells you again and again and again in your life. And find the truths that God has provided in his word that cut those lies to shreds. And you might have to repeat those truths. You might have to use the sword 50 times a day to defeat those lies.